Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. John chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was, who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box, and he used to take what was put in it. But Jesus said, let her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. For the poor you have with you always, but me you do not have always. Thank you, Father, for this time together in your presence. Thank you for this gathering, how good and how pleasant it is for us to dwell here together in unity. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. And we praise you and we bless your name. Thank you for this moment where we give attention to your word. We set our hearts to understand, our eyes to see, our ears to hear. Thank you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ to be upon every hearer today, God, that we would be transformed by the living word of God in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. There's four people here from this passage I, wanna, I want us to look at because I think we can learn something about our own lives and maybe some things that we need to change or consider about, especially when it comes to our own personal attitudes. And I want to take this moment to recognize Dr. Terry Sparks who is with us here today. Glad to have you, sir. The first person I want us to focus on is Judas. Isn't it interesting? Nobody names their kids Judas. It's a good reason for that. When you hear his name, you automatically think of him as one who has a very bad attitude, don't you? And there's, that's, the re, that's one of the reasons why people don't name their kids after him. Because you know the end of the story. You know what happens. Judas became a traitor. So we all know that he chose poorly. But remember, though, at this moment, Judas isn't a, a traitor yet. He is one of Jesus' chosen 12 apostles. And he's in good standing. He has the respect of the community, obviously. Uh, and of these four that are mentioned here, actually Judas has spent more time with Jesus than the rest of them. And he's in a position of leadership. And how many of you know leaders can fall too? And Judas has no doubt the worst attitude of the four that are named here. It's an attitude of criticism. He's watching for things that he can correct. You may know that person. 
Well, if you don't, you're probably that person. You don't know anybody that way. It bothers Judas to see other people doing something different than the way he would do it. Now, I know I'm not talking to any of you, but so many people these days are judgmental, you know? And you can tell by, just by looking at them. We, we know... F- We know from the scriptures. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Terry. (laughs) We know from the Bible that Judas, think about this. Jesus has chosen a thief to be the treasurer of his ministry. And he's the one who's watching over the money. So Judas obviously has some kind of personal ability or gift, and that is in accounting. And so he, no doubt, thinks like an accountant. How many of you love accountants? We got one right here. Any, any accountants here in the room? No? Okay, well, good. Let's bash them then since they're not here. No, I'm just kidding. No, uh, I mean, it, you know, coming out of tax season, we especially thank God for accountants. But, and we need them. But Accountants have this thinking to measure everything by economic efficiency, right? And this is what Judas is doing. He sees this woman pour out this expensive ointment, and immediately he starts thinking like an accountant. This is a terrible waste, right? This is what he's saying. If we sold this ointment, we could have fed 50-plus people for at least a month, and this woman has wasted it all in one minute. So therefore, that's not efficient. That's a bad mistake. That's poor money management. And and if they had asked me, I could have showed them how to do it. This is the attitude of criticism. I think maybe we all might find ourselves a little bit like this. Even maybe when you come to church. I know I found myself to be this way. Why are they singing this song? And why do they have to repeat that chorus that many times? If they asked me, I could have told them a better way to do it. You may find a little bit of this attitude in you. But let me warn you, criticism can, it has the potential to, to do to you what it did to Judas. It ruined him. It ruined his soul. And this event actually was the last straw for Judas. Right after this happened, he went out to find a way to betray Jesus. So, I mean, he's so upset. Think about it. He's so upset at this inefficiency that he could not and would not allow it anymore. So if Jesus was going to allow this kind of waste, then he decided he didn't want anything to do with Jesus. Now, that wasn't the only issue, but it was the straw that broke the camel's back. And criticism can, can do that very thing to you. You tend to only become more and more critical. This man has been with Jesus for three years, right? And yet he's still critical. Look around you here in this room. Go ahead, look. Just make eye contact with a few people here. You see any perfect people here? Huh? There's one. She's sitting on the front row. Because, I mean, if you, if, you, if you happen to find a church full of perfect people, don't go. You'll ruin it. Okay? 
when you get to heaven, you may see people there that'll surprise you, and, but they may be surprised you're there too. <laughs> so let's, let's all just remember, thank God, by the grace of God, we are who we are. Amen. Because the truth is, if you're looking for something to criticize, you'll find it. Hmm? But you're the only one who's going to suffer in that thing. So guard against that attitude. Guard yourself against it. The next person that we see in this story is Lazarus. Now, this is chapter 12 of John. Chapter 11, Lazarus was raised from the dead, having been dead four days. That's incredible, right? Dead four days. And now, here in chapter 12, look what it says. Now, no doubt Lazarus has potential for a very powerful ministry, doesn't he? The guy was dead four days. I mean... Jesus raised him from the dead. What an incredible testament. Can you imagine hearing someone tell that story? Can you imagine hearing Lazarus tell you his story? The crowds would certainly have come to hear it. You know, come hear a man who was dead for four days. If, if that person came to your city, would you not be interested to go hear this story? Yeah. Sure you would. Yeah. I mean, he very well could have attracted big crowds and big crusades. But we don't read one case of Lazarus ever giving his testimony. Not that doesn't say he didn't, but we don't have scripture telling us that he did. We don't read one word ever spoken by Lazarus. Not one. We have Mary, her conversations, Martha, but we never, ever hear a word from Lazarus. Not a word. Well, you might think that's normal. Women are naturally more talkative than men. But Lazarus looks to be a passive person. Notice the verb that is connected to him in verse 2. Lazarus was one of those who sat. That's not very attractive to be identified as one of those who sat. I don't think any of us would appreciate that being said of us, right? Who is he? He's one of those who sat. It's not very pleasant. It's not a very distinguished identification. Yet, I think maybe we might find a little bit of this in ourselves at times. This was a dinner. I mean, you know why Lazarus was there. Lazarus was here to eat. Maybe it's because he'd been dead four days. He might be hungry. But he's not criticizing anybody. His whole attitude looks to be somewhat selfish. He doesn't help prepare the dinner. He sits. Feed me. He's got his knife and fork in hand. You know, through the years, it's interesting, uh, just being in church culture all my life, was, is that some people's attitude at church is, what can you do for me? Yeah. Yeah. Right? Come into the house. Yeah. I want them to just sing to me. I don't need to do that. I need them to serve me. I need, what can you do for my children? What can, and, and on one level, those things are okay. But my family, this is a body, a living organism, and we all have a part to play here. Right? We all receive and we all contribute. But if you're of one of those who sits and is waiting for things to come to you, I recommend changing that attitude of passivity. 
And in the story, there are two men and two women mentioned. Well, much to my chagrin, I have to admit that the men don't look very good in this story. One represents criticism, one represents passivity. But the women look a lot better. And the next person we're going to see here is Martha. I want you to notice in verse 2 the verb that's connected to Martha's name. Martha served. Lazarus sat, Martha served. In this setting, it seems serving is better than sitting. Martha's wanting to serve the people. I mean, obviously, you cannot have a successful dinner if somebody's not there serving it. You can't have a successful church without people who are willing to serve. There's a great deal of work to be done in the kingdom of God. I'm grateful for the Marthas that we have in this church. I mean, men, men and women. Every ministry that we have here in this church is anointed by the Holy Spirit, and I believe that. And I, I hope that you will stir yourself up in this way, to this attitude, to be, have an attitude of service, one who is prompt, ready, and willing to act, willing to do the work, willing to help other people. There's a potential problem, though, with Martha and people that are like her, and that is the need for recognition for doing what they do. We know that about Martha in another occasion. Remember, Jesus is over at their house again having dinner. And Mary and Martha are in the kitchen serving, but something hits Mary, right? She's thinking, Jesus is in my house. Why am I in another room? So she just drops what she's doing, and she goes and she sits at Jesus' feet. Well, while Martha's working, she turns around and sees that Mary's gone. What the heck? Where'd Mary go? She comes through the door, and there's Mary sitting at Jesus' feet. And Martha starts kind of tattling on her. Jesus, tell her to come and help me. And Jesus, I'm not going to take this away from her. She's actually chosen the good part. There is a time for sitting and the proper way to sit. This attitude says something like, I'm willing to work, but I'll need someone to recognize what I'm doing and be grateful for it. I will need payment. Jesus said of these kinds of people, they have their reward here on earth. If they're not looking to their heavenly reward, then they, their recognition here is as much as the, of the reward that they get. But to those who are working and living for a life that's beyond this life and storing up for themselves treasures in heaven, that's a whole different deal. That's somebody who's connected to the kingdom. That's somebody who knows their eternal purpose in the earth. I don't need man to recognize me and to give me accolades. I'm doing this for the living God. Because there's a day coming, listen to me, we get one pass. We get one shot, and then it's eternity. I think I'd rather have my reward in heaven. Then there's Mary, verse 3. Can we bring up verse 3? Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. Judas came to criticize. Lazarus came to sit. Martha came to work. But Mary came to worship. She brought the most precious thing that she had, and she poured it out as a gift of love to Jesus. Now, one of the mysteries of this story is well, we don't know where she got this 
very costly oil. Maybe it was something that she inherited or maybe she saved her money for a long time and bought it or, you know, based upon some hints of her past, maybe it was a gift from a wealthy man whose mistress she had once been. We don't know, but we do know it's valuable because Judas calculated its value at 300 denarii. Now you take away holidays, that's a year's wages. All right? Can you imagine a full year's salary is what this stuff costs, and she pours it out extravagantly on the feet of Jesus. In just a moment. Why? Because Mary simply wanted to show her love to Jesus. She wasn't concerned with criticizing other people. She certainly didn't show any interest in eating dinner. And while they're all eating, she comes in and anoints Jesus' feet. Her whole motivation here is to worship him. This is really the highest and best reason to gather with other believers, isn't it? To worship the Lord. We have that privilege. And we can be just like Mary. You know, you might think, well, I don't have anything that extravagant to give to the Lord. But what made it valuable to Jesus? Was it the fact that it was 300 denarii? It was valuable because it was a gift of love. Jesus doesn't need perfume. I mean, he created it for Pete's sake, right? Why would he be impressed with that? It was her love for him that gave it value. So whatever you give of your time, your talents, your treasures, whatever, love is what gives it its true value. This perfume was a symbol of her love. The fact that it was costly showed that she loved him very much. And you know what? Jesus didn't ask her to do this. He didn't ask for this. It was Mary's idea. It was her creative initiative, if you will. And she's looking for something that she could do to demonstrate her love to him. It wasn't commanded for her to do. She just chose to do it. Now, this is living beyond mere obedience. And and I, I think this is a great way to see it. It's not just an obligation because I need to do this or I have to do this. No, this is somebody whose heart is captured by the living Christ. Hmm? And, and when you give to God the things that he asked for, no doubt you do well. That itself is, is beyond what even many would do. But when you give to God that which he has not asked for, that's even better. It's even higher. You have many ways to show your love to Jesus. To others, it may look insignificant or it might even look foolish to others. But they're not the object of your affection. He is. They're not the reason you're doing this. They're not the ones that we're all going to stand before in a given account of our lives. They're not the ones who died for our sins. Amen. He's the focus. But let me just kind of give you a little bit of disclaimer and a warning. When you show your love to the Lord, guess what? You're going to face criticism. Hmm? I mean, just post anything. But especially anything just went to church today. It's amazing how people can find awful things to say about that phrase in and of itself. You can put on the most encouraging things and there's going to be some naysayer out there that's going to try to drag you down. They might call you fanatic. You know, Heather and I, uh, 
her side of the family up in Kansas, uh, they used to say of Heather and I, because, you know, we were in ministry to, oh, Heather and Eric, they're very religious. Like, I hope that's not the vibe we're giving off. But that, that's the only way they knew how to describe it, is very religious. All the people in this story are there to honor Jesus, but Mary takes this thing to an extreme. And she found a way to show her love. She pours this precious oil on his feet and wipes it with her hair. I mean, think about how messy that is. Wiping her, his feet with her hair and this oil. I mean, it's gross. You will be criticized and it won't make sense. You know, people might not understand even your commitment to coming to church or even giving to the church. Another thing that will happen though people criticize you, here's the cool thing, Jesus will defend you. Others may not like what you do, but he'll love what you do. Those who criticize will be, this is cool, will be even benefited by your expression of love. Verse 3 says the house was filled with the fragrance of that oil. Everybody was participating in it. Everybody was affected by it. When you show your love for the Lord Jesus, it is a blessing that spills over on others. Jesus is going to make your gift something much more than you could have imagined. I want you to notice what he says about The reason she did this, and I'll finish up with this. In Mary's case, Jesus said, she kept it for my burial. Wait, Mary didn't know that Jesus was about to die. She had no idea. She didn't see that coming. She didn't know that that this was for his burial. She was just showing her love. But Jesus seemed to make her gift of some cosmic historic significance. It was so much more to him. And when he was arrested later on and he was beaten and he was crucified, he had on his body that fragrant oil of Mary's gift. And in all of his suffering, there must have been a reminder somewhere along the way as he's being spit upon, mocked, uh, beaten. Once in a while, that oil, that fragrance that hit his nose. When you act from love, God makes big things of what you do. He made so much more of her gift. He will take your expression, your gift of love, and do exceedingly abundantly above all that you could think with it. Let's check our attitudes today. Judas shows us the attitude of criticism, Lazarus, passivity, Mary, service. And Mary, sacrifice or worship. Lord, thank you for this time together. Father, I pray that if there's anything of criticism or passivity or any attitudes that are out of tune or out of line with our born-again spirit, I pray, Lord, that those adjustments will be made today. And Lord, that we will be a people who know our God, are strong, and do exploits in the earth. The people who are passionate in worship and love for our God. That we are not those who overreact to a situation. And we are not those who underreact Father, that we are led by the Spirit.
to live of and by the Spirit of God. Because your Spirit always guides us in truth. So I thank you right now that you are a very present help in time of need. If, if you're here in this morning and you found yourself in some, in some kind of negative attitude, I want you to just offer that up to the Lord right now. Just say, Lord, I, I, I hear you speaking to me today, my heart, and uh, I'm, I'm repenting now. I repent now of that. And I choose to set my mind on you. I choose to forgive. I choose to not be a fault finder, but one who is motivated by love. I thank you right now, God, that you're a very present help. And Lord, that you are giving wisdom and understanding and strength and grace to everyone here today. Thank you, Lord, for your word, the deposit of your word that has been planted in our hearts. And now, God, I thank you that that word will be cared for and watered and that it will grow. And Lord, that it will produce the God kind of life, the life that you came to give us, God. Thank you that you give us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ and you always lead us in triumph. Thank you, God. Whatever needs there are in this room today, you know what they need. And I thank you, Lord, that you said, if you ask, you will receive. You said, whatever things you desire, when you pray, believe you receive them and you will have. So I thank you now for meeting them where they are, meeting their needs, supplying their needs according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that Christ died for our sins and he was buried and he rose again the third day and that changed everything. It changed the entire world as God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not holding our sins against us. And we thank you, Lord, because you died for our sins, Lord, we don't have to die from our sins. But by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, we are made new creations in Christ Jesus. Old things are gone and new things have come. Thank you, Father God, for your blessing. And I pray that grace and peace be multiplied to one cause church, to this great people, to these, every family represented here from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.